Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Center podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Amen. So my message today is called, Don't Be Afraid, Just Believe. We're talking this month about, don't let your fear be greater than your faith. Well, let your faith be greater than your fear. And I just want to read to you from Mark chapter 5, verse 36. It says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Who's ever gone abseiling before? How many? Did I miss some hands? One person. Two people. Three people. Awesome. So I went abseiling on a high school camp. And it was really scary for me. And I want to act it out to you before we start. So if I can get, I need to get someone who's big, who's not going to drop me. So we'll go with Trevor. I was going to go with, I was going to go with Cal, but I didn't really trust him. I thought he'd think this is a funny thing to let go of me, but, so don't drop me, okay? All right, just hold that rope there. All right, so with abseiling, when you first get up there, you got to, they, they tell you, you know, how to do it. They tell you, you know, you've got to get to the edge. I'll put the rope on. Now, there's a bit of equipment. It wasn't just sort of like, they didn't just give you one, one rope and say, go for gold. But he said, now, when you get to the edge, hold it tight, please, Trev. When you get to the edge, when you get to the edge, okay, so imagine this is a big cliff. Now, Yes, if I fall down, Cal's got to preach the rest of the message. So, get ready. Now, as so we got to the edge, okay, and he tells you, you go to the edge, and um, when you get there, so again, imagine it's a real big, and we get here, and he says, now you've, you're here, and you've got to lean right back. Okay, so you're almost 90 degrees with the edge of the cliff. Now, when I did it, I, I was looking forward to it. So in my head, I thought, this is going to be so much fun. I'm going to have a great time. And I was great until I got to the edge of the cliff. Oh, it's not, it's not tight, Trev. All right. Till I got to the edge of the cliff. And I got to the edge of it. And my brain, as, hard, as much as I told my brain to, my, my body would just not go 90 degrees with the edge of the cliff. Because I kept thinking, my brain kept saying, you're going to fall. You're going to die. So... I went down. I'm not going to do it. I still can't do it. <laughs> I still can't do it. Thanks, Trev. I, I still can't do it. So, when, when I actually did it on the day, I did go down, but I was not 90 degrees like you're supposed to. I was kind of up like this, and the guy kept saying, no, no, you got to keep going back. He just let me go down. It wasn't very safe, I don't think, because I wasn't leaning down. Sometimes in life, we can do, things can be fun. Something great could be happening in our life. That we could look and say, man, I can't wait to do that. But then when the time comes, when we get to the edge, when we're getting to that place where God's asking us to step out into something new, maybe God's given you a promise. Maybe God's given you a ministry. Maybe he's given you an idea like a business. Maybe he's given you a, a, a promise to have kids. Maybe he's given you something. And you go get right to that moment, that edge moment. And fear comes in. 
and you just can't take that next step. And fear robs you of the amazing future God's got in store for you. If you just took that, that step, who knows what God could do in your life. I remember there was this time in my life, the scariest moment in my entire life was when I was playing rugby union against this really big guy. Now, he was huge. To picture him, who, who's got one of those double-door fridges at home? You know, you go and you, it's, got two, it's got two doors, not just the one door where the freezer's up the top, and the, but this is like the double-door fridge. What, sometimes it's a freezer on one side and a fridge, but ours is a double fridge at the top and a double freezer at the bottom. So picture that and put a head, arms, and legs on it. And you've got this guy. And he was famous in the Townsville District Rugby Union. They called him the Coke machine on legs, but he was bigger than a Coke machine. And uh, he, he was famous because he had broken shoulders, broken legs, broken arms, people, just by falling on people. People tried to smash him, but instead they broke their shoulder. And this one game, we were playing against him. And the, 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 the fly half of my team, he got the ball. And he kicks it down the field. Now, in rugby, it's a little bit different to league. In rugby, it's the winger's job to race down and put everyone on side so everybody else can move forward and make the tackle. So I'm running down, and I get from about here to Gareth away from this guy. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, oh, no. I look behind me for help. And all my teammates, they're standing about 20 meters back just watching. You could tell, what's he going to do? And so, as he's running towards me, now this guy's not stepping, he's running straight over the top of me. And uh, you know how they say, just before you die, your life flashes before your eyes? It did. I saw myself in my cot when I was a little kid. I saw my first day at school. I saw, I saw the time when I, I met my dad for the first time. Every single moment, my wedding day flashed before my eyes. I thought I was going to die. As he gets closer to me, I say, Jesus, help. I think, what am I going to do? I've got two options here. I can either make it look like I'm going to... You know, sometimes people make it look like they're trying to tackle. They just go, oh, I tried. Problem with him is I would have gone like that, and he would have just been there. That's how slow he was moving. He, uh, there was, I would have had a chance to turn around and tackle him. So that wasn't going to work. So what am I going to do? I decide, you know what? I'll, tr I'll try here because I've got to look good in front of my friends. So I, I decide I'm going to grab a leg. Now, this leg was big. To help... Picture how big it is. Picture a telephone post when you get home. Go up to that post and just wrap your arms and legs around. Don't worry about what the neighbors think. Just go and grab your arms and legs around that post. That's how big his leg was. I just grabbed the leg. As I'm falling down, I say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I cross myself, hoping that might work. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And, uh, but as I fall down, Jesus help, hit the ground. I thought, man, nothing's broken. I dragged myself out. Like when you're in a car crash and you see that guy dragging himself out from underneath the car. I dragged myself out. And that day, my faith was bigger than my fear. In life, if we want to do something great, if we want to step up, if we want to take our, 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 our struggles head on, we need to decide, you know what, my faith is going to be bigger than my fear. What is it that you've got fearful in your life right now? Fear of loss? Fear of rejection? 
fear of abandonment. Maybe you're scared that your marriage is falling to pieces. Maybe you've got fear that you're going to lose your business. Whatever it is, whatever that fear is, however big it is, Jesus is bigger than it. God is greater than that fear. God has more power. And so I want to talk to you today the story of Jairus. His friends called him Jairus the virus, but he was the, uh, not really, it's not in the Bible. But in the, in the Bible, it's, it talks about the fact that he was a synagogue ruler. And what happened was, he hears that Jesus is coming. He knows that Jesus is there. He knows that Jesus is in his town and his daughter is dying. And he decides, you know what, I'm going to go to Jesus because I believe that Jesus has the power to heal my, to heal my daughter, to set her free. So he goes up to Jesus. He says, Jesus, will you heal my daughter? And so out of this story, I want to share three things that we need to develop in our life. Three things, if we do, our faith will be greater than our fear. Is that cool? Number one is this. Go to Jesus. Mark 5, 22 to 24 says, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. See, in this moment, this was a big step of faith, going to Jesus for this man. Because at the time, the Pharisees and the elders, they decided anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone who goes to Jesus, we're going to kick them out of the synagogue. So here's a guy with a leader. He's got a lot to lose. His daughter is dying. And he has to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe in you. Will you heal her? And see, the the key is in our life. When fear comes in, when an obstacle stands in front of us, when something's big, when something is is bigger than ourselves, the answer is go to Jesus. Go to him. Go and fall down at his feet and say, Jesus, this is really big. This is bigger than me. I need your help. Will you heal me? Will you help my business? Will you save my kids? Will you, whatever it is in your life, Jesus can do anything. If you have a look in the Bible, people went to Jesus. You look at the disciples. The disciples are in the boat, and Jesus is asleep in the, in, the, in the back of the boat. And the Bible says this massive storm rose up, and it was so bad that the boat started to be pulled to pieces. So what did they do? They went to Jesus, and they woke him up and said, Hey, Jesus, we need you to wake up. Don't you care that we're all going to die? Jesus gets up, walks to the front of the boat, and says, Be still. How cool is that? No matter what storm we're in in life, no matter how scared we are, we go to Jesus, he can quiet the storm in our life. No matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through. With with David, have you read the story of David? When King David, before he becomes king, he's out in the wilderness and he's living in the wilderness and, and, and King Saul is out to kill him because he's jealous of the call that's on his life. He knows that one day David will be king. And there's this moment when they're going to go to war with a king from another country. He's actually joined forces with that king David has. And they're going out to fight against Saul and, and the army of Israel. And on the way he says, 
the, the commander turns around and says, no, nah, David, you've got to go back because the other kings don't want to fight with you because they think that when we go to fight Israel, you'll turn around and start to fight us instead of them. So David and his men go back and they get back to Ziglag, which is where they were living. And when they get there, it says that all of his men's children, all of his men's wives plus his own were all taken from the Amalekites. They'd come in and they'd raided the land. And they all wanted to kill David. Because they were hurt, they were broken. They said, man, we're going to kill you. It's your fault. If you hadn't led us there, we would have been here to protect our kids. We're going to kill you. And what does David do? David goes over on his own when no one else is around. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. In other words, he got in God's presence. He got alone with God. He said, God, look at everything that's happening. God, everything's too big for me. God, I'm scared. My men want to kill me. But God came in and he gave him courage and he reminded him of the call that was on his life. You're the king. You can't die until you're the king. Comes back out. All of a sudden, David's bigger than his problem. David's bigger than his fear in his life. There's times in my life when I've had doubt. When I've doubted whether God's called me to do something great or whether things are going to turn out the way I believe they would. But the key's always been, sometimes I'm fearful, but the key's always been to go into the presence of God and hang out with Him. Go to Jesus. Sometimes, maybe you're different to me, but sometimes I have a pity party. I sit there and go, man, this is unfair. That person's such a terrible person. God, I don't even want to be here anymore. I want to leave. Why am I doing this? Why do I go through all of this? And I feel worse than I was before. It's like when I, when I was a chaplain at Ingham High and I decided, you know what, I want to be a policeman. I don't want to be a chaplain and I don't want to be a pastor anymore, God, because things aren't working out the way I want them to work out. And I complained and I whinged and I started working that way. And, and the more I did it, the worse I felt. Until I went into God's presence and said, God, you know what? You're bigger than these issues. And God said, yeah, you're called to be a pastor. And he changed my life right there. The key is going to Jesus. See, fear is not from God. It's from the enemy. It's from Satan. Sure, there's, there's a fear, you know, don't walk out onto the road because you'll probably get hit by a bus. God puts that fear in us, but not fear of the future, not fear of what might happen, because Jesus gives us promises God, if you have a look in Revelations, we win in the end. Go to Jesus. Stop telling your problems how big they are and start to remind those problems how big Jesus is. You know what? Things might be bad, but you're bigger than it, Jesus. I thank you. My mom or my dad might have got cancer, but you're bigger than it. My kids might be sick, but you're bigger than that. I might be about to lose my business or my marriage or my family, but Jesus, you can do anything. You're the one who restores. You're the one that heals. You're the one that brings life. You hold the keys in your hands. You can do anything. Let's, let's continually go to Jesus. Read your Bible. Pray. Worship. Because when we do that, we allow God to make us bigger than the issues in our life. Number two, hear the word. So here's Joris. In this moment, 
He's decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to get him to come and heal my daughter. So he goes over to Jesus says, Jesus, will you come and heal my daughter? He says, yes. So Jesus is on his way. And the Bible says that people were pressing around them because they knew that Jesus was in their town. So people come and they were pushing him and pressing in. And it was really hard. If you, if you get the picture, you just get a picture of Jesus is in this massive crowd and he's pushing through. And in this moment, can you imagine Jairus? Jairus is there going, come on, hurry up. Come on, hurry up. My daughter's dying. Come on, hurry up. Guys, get away from him. Just let, let him get there quick because he's coming to heal my daughter. We've got to get there before she dies. Come on. And, he, and he's worried and he's, he's concerned that hey, the whole thing's slowing down. And in this moment, a lady who's got a, got a problem with the flow of blood for 12 years, who, who's been struggling with this issue, comes and touches Jesus because she just said, you know what, if I can just get the touch of his clothes, I'll be healed. So in that moment, she touches him and, and right there, for her, it's great. For the crowd, it's pretty awesome, but it's not great for Jairus. Because when you read the story, in this moment, Jesus stops and says, hey, hang on. So not only were they going slow, now they've stopped. Jesus has gone from going through a crowd slowly to now he's stopped and he's talking to someone. If I was Jairus, I'd be there going. Now, we all think as Christians, we'd go, oh, man, isn't that cool that she got saved, that she got healed? We'd like to think that, but I reckon in reality, if that was our daughter, you wouldn't really care about what's happened in their life. You just want that person. Come on. Come on. Don't worry about that person. She's, that's great that she's healed, but let's just keep going. And in that moment, now, they know a lot of details about this woman. They know that she suffered a lot from doctors for 12 years, that it's been going on for 12 years. So Jesus and the disciples must have stopped and had a big chat with this lady for them to know the details to be able to put it in the Bible. So this seemed like it took a while. And in that moment, to make things worse, people from Jairus' household then turn up and said, Jairus, don't bother them anymore. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's died. But in this moment, I love, so right now, Jairus' whole life has just fallen to pieces. Maybe he's blaming the lady. Maybe he's blaming the crowd man. (sighs) If we just got there in time, who knows what Jesus could have done. And in this moment, in this place of doubt, in this place of hopelessness, Jesus turns to Jairus and says these words. I want to read it to you. It's from Mark 5, 35 to 36. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus speaks a word into his life. In that moment, that would have changed everything. In, in the midst of his turmoil, in the midst of the, the, the pain and the hurt that he's feeling, that word from Jesus would have changed everything. Because I know that in my life, when, when, when things aren't going well, when things are broken, breaking down, when things are are not the way I would like them to be. The thing that changes it isn't my circumstances. My circumstances don't change. It's a word from Jesus. He speaks into my world. He speaks into my life. And everything else all of a sudden isn't so big because i got a promise from God. When Renee and I were trying to have children, I was just telling someone yesterday that we tried for seven years. You've heard the story. I've shared it a few times. But there was another time when Renee's period was late. And, I, and this was before Jesus had spoken to me. And I thought, maybe she's pregnant. She did a test and she wasn't. And then Jesus spoke to me and said, you're going to have a son. 
This will be his job. It was about two or three years later that this took place. And so this time, Renee, one day she, she looked and she said, I'm six weeks overdue. And, and fear wanted to come in and say, you know what, this has happened before. Don't get your hopes up. But I said in my heart, I said, no, no, Jesus has given me a promise. He's spoken into this circumstance. And she may not be pregnant this time, but I believe she is. But if it's not, it won't be long. Because, and what's changed? A word from God. My circumstances before, the circumstances seemed good, but it wasn't what I was hoping for. In this moment, the circumstances were the same, but the difference was there was a word from God. When I was a school chaplain, I had a boss that was really bad. I mean, she's the worst boss I've ever had. She was, and see me, I came from a home where the female in my home wasn't a very strong leader. So I'm now in a, in a, in a, in a world where, the, where the, the boss is really big. She's, a, she's, a, she's female, so I don't know how to, so part of it's me, it's not just her, and I don't know how to connect with a really strong, dominant female leader. And I'm scared. There were days I didn't go to work because I was scared of my boss. And I wanted to quit. There were days when I wanted to say, I don't want to do this anymore. But then I realized Jesus has told me I'm called to be the chaplain of this school. And it changed everything. Yes, my circumstances didn't change, but Jesus had given me a word. And I was able to walk in the school. I was able to do things differently than I, than I would have done because now I have a word from God. It's a word from Jesus that changes our lives. When There's two things that people say that they're most scared of. Whenever they do, you know when they do those surveys and they say, what is the thing you scare most? Number two on those surveys is always death. And number one is public speaking. So in other words, what they're saying is, I would rather die than get in front of a crowd and speak. And when I was in high school, I was asked to do a speech in front of the school on, my, on the last day. So year 12, they said, hey, will you come and do a speech in front of the school? Because you're a pretty funny guy in class. And I said, no way. There's no way I'm getting up in front of people. Because I was scared. I said, what if I get up there and I forget my speech? What if I get up there and I can't even read the words on the page because I'm so nervous? What if I tell a joke and nobody laughs? That would be terrible. I said, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Then I became a Christian and God said, you're called to be a pastor. I want you to be a pastor. And so now when I get an opportunity, when someone comes up to me and says, Jason, would you like to speak? I say, yes. I was still scared, especially my first time I ever got up to speak at church. I can remember every second word was, you know, um, uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I was, it, my, my pastor taped it and played it for me in the car on the way to a conference and said, here, I just want you to listen to your sermon. I said, man, stop it. I wanted to pull that tape out and peg it out the window. It was terrible. I felt sorry for people having to listen to me. Dylan, a few weeks back, asked me to come and speak to his boys group at the high school about integrity. Now, everything in me wanted to say no. But I said, no, that's, that's what God's called me to do. I'm going to go there. I'll think of some funny stories. I'll tell some funny stories and then bang. 
And, and so I did. And I went there and, you know, I told, I told a couple of funny stories. Maybe one person laughed. It was not good. And I went, I remember God said to me a while back, if you tell a funny story and no one laughs, it was just a story. I said, cool. It was, but the thing that changed is God told me I was a pastor and I knew that if I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to learn how to communicate and do it better. The thing that changes in our life is the word of God. Jesus said when he was talking to the devil, he said, man will not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you are today, no matter how bad things look, the answer is a word from God. Go to Jesus, spend time with him, and let him speak into your life. Let him bring hope and peace into your world. Peter, on the edge of the boat, Jesus is walking on the water. He says, hey, if you call me, I'll come. And Jesus says, come, Peter. And Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking along. But the Bible says then he started looking around at the waves that were really big and the wind was strong. And the Bible says he started to sink. And then Jesus came and rescued him and pulled him out. The answer is a word from Jesus. If you get a word from Jesus, you can walk through anything. You can go through any obstacles. You can walk on water. The thing that God's calling you to do right now that's really big, it's bigger than you, you can do it. All you need is a word from God. You can take that step off the edge of that cliff with a word from God. The third thing is this. Oh, man, I almost freaked out. Then I turned my page, and I saw white paper. Yes, there it is. That's good. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was trouble. So I'd like to read to you from Mark chapter 5, 38 to 42. It says this. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jairus, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I think this is a cool part of the story. Jesus said, hey guys, she's just asleep. And they laughed at him. But see, Jesus knew that God is bigger than anything he ever will go through. When he was going to call Lazarus out of the grave, he wanted him to roll the stone away. He said, yeah, but there's a bad smell. Jesus didn't care because he knew that God can do anything. Jesus is bigger than any circumstance you and I will ever walk through. He created the entire world just by speaking. I remember when I was a youth pastor back in England, I'd tell stories about how God would heal people and make legs grow back and, and stuff like that. I remember one kid yelled out, that's rubbish. And back then I wasn't quick enough to have an answer for that. But now I do. And I said, you know what? If God can create the world with his voice, he can heal anybody of anything. He can create opportunities for you anywhere you need. You might feel like you're stuck in a dead-end job and every time you go for a, go for a, 
promotion, you don't get it, but someone else does. And you go, man, things just seem impossible. God's bigger than that. No matter what we go through, God is bigger than that. David versus Goliath. We know the story. Everybody else, the army of Israel was scared. If I could get the band up on stage, that'd be cool, please. Everyone else in the army was scared. The people who should have been going out there to fight Goliath, the Bible says that Goliath would go up every day, that the Israelites were on one side of the valley and the Philistines were on the other side of the valley and Goliath had come out every day and he'd intimidate the entire army of Israel and nobody would come out. He said, if you send out your champion and I defeat him, then you will all become subject to us. But if you beat me, then we will all be subject to you. And no one came out but a shepherd boy who was walking along, bringing a package from his dad to his brothers. Said, I'll fight him. Because he knew that his God was bigger than that giant. He knew that, you know what, Goliath might cast a big shadow, but my dad's shadow is bigger. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, my God. And he comes out. And he, he, says to, he says to the giant, he says, I come against you in the name of God. He knew his God was bigger. Then you see Abraham. Abraham's never had a son. Him and his wife want a son. And everything in their life suggests they shouldn't be able to have kids because Sarah's 90 years old and Abraham's 100. That's, biology says you can't have kids. But God's bigger than Biology. Whatever it is in your life, God's bigger than it. Before I got saved, I had anxiety, depression. I thought, I'll never get out of this. This is always going to be bigger than me. But God was greater than it. Whatever you're going through today, wherever you are, God's bigger than it. I love this story, and I've got to read this because I can never remember it properly. I've got to, I've got to read their names out. Meshach. Shadrach, and Abednego. I'm just going to call them the three amigos. I always call them different names. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. That's it. And these guys, the king makes this law up. He says, every time music plays, everyone's got to get down and worship me. Everyone's got to bow down and worship me. And these guys decide, you know what, I'm not going to do that because... God says, the only thing I should worship is God. So I'm not going to do that. So the music plays. These three guys refuse to do it. The other officials in the, in the kingdom come up to the king and said, these three guys, Meshach, they get that one right? Shadrach and Abednego. I always look at Cal because he likes this verse and he's good at remembering them. I'm picking on Cal this morning because he picks on me. So, These three guys refuse to worship you. He says, that's it. He gets so angry. He says, that's it. Bring them here. So the, they, they, they go out and the, the soldiers or the guards, they come and get those three guys and they bring them in. And he says, you didn't bow down when the music played. What's going on? He says, you know what? We don't have to answer to you because you can do anything to us. We believe our God can deliver us. And if he doesn't, we still, will not ref we still refuse to bow down and worship anything but our God in heaven. So the Bible says that they got these three guys and the fire was so hot 
And, and the Bible says they were dressed head to toe in all of the Babylonian dress. They, they went to throw these guys in, and the fire was so hot that the guards that were throwing them in died. They went into the fire. They rolled the stones back over. The king's sitting there watching, probably at the start going, man, this is, this is going to be good. This is like watching State of Origin or the football on TV. Probably got his popcorn, maybe a couple of drinks there, and this is, this is their entertainment. All, all the guys are sitting around watching with him. He says, hey, hey, guys, come here. Didn't we just put three guys in there? Wasn't it, didn't we just throw three in? But now there's four, and one of them looks like the sons of God. So he commands for them to roll back the stone. That gets the guys out, they walk out. And not, I love it what the Bible says. Nothing on them was burnt, not even their hair on their head was singed. Because God was bigger than their circumstance. They would have been fearful. This doesn't look good. But their declaration was, God, you're bigger than my circumstance. I'm going to go in here and we're going to trust you. I, I love the story of Paul and Silas when they get thrown in prison for doing nothing more than telling people about how awesome Jesus was, that the life he can give them, that there's hope in Jesus. They get thrown in prison. The Bible says they're chained by hands and feet and they're there and they decide, you know what, we're going to worship God. Now, I never want to go to prison because when you watch the movies, there's some big lads in those prisons. Looks like all they ever do is pump weights. It's like everybody's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I never want to go there because I can't fight. I'm not very strong. I'd get beat up every day. But these guys are in prison. I'd be very scared. And they decide, you know what? We're going to worship God. Their declaration is, you know what? We're going to worship God, even though we're in an atmosphere of fear, because we believe that our God is bigger. Then as they worship God, the chains break off. Everybody else around them, the chain breaks off them. The, the, the anklets and the arm things that hold them down, they all break off, and they get up and they just walk on out. Because our God is bigger. Let's all stand this morning. What's going on in your life right now? Is your marriage in trouble? Maybe the bank's just talking to you about closing down the business. Maybe you need a job. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Maybe you've got a dream in your heart and you've held it all your life and it feels like it's slipping away. Don't be afraid. Just believe. In our lives, if we go to Jesus, if we get a word from him, if we recognize, Jesus, you are greater than any circumstance I'll ever face, then we can live a life where we're not afraid and just believe. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Center's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.